Thank you, Brandon, for the wonderful song service this morning and for Skeeter for your communion meditation and Stefan for your scripture reading. Um, I love it when we actually have a theme and everything kind of leads into and plays up to that theme because I think it really allows us to get our hearts and our minds just in the right space and in the right place uh, for the message that we're going to have here this morning. It's great to see all of you this morning. I know we still have some folks who are out due to illness and some folks who are traveling uh, but we also have some faces we haven't seen in a while, so that is fantastic. Erica, it is great to have you with us here this morning. It's been way too long uh, since the Cogswells moved, but it is just great to have all of you here this morning as we continue to talk about this idea of service and the importance of service. And last week, we kind of looked at uh, the way, some of the ways that Jesus served during his ministry, and we're going to continue that theme this morning as we kind of dig into the heart of a servant. Now, when I was a kid growing up, we didn't really have uh, we didn't really have a youth group. That's one of the things that kind of prompted me to enter uh, youth ministry, as many of you know. Um, we didn't really have a youth group per se. Um, we, we had an older lady in our church who was kind enough to sit with us for an hour on Wednesday nights and for, uh, you know, 45 minutes on Sunday mornings. But one of the main things that we did during our time was she, she didn't really do a lot of lessons. We would just kind of read and into a whole lot of discussions, but one of the things we always did was at the end of class, we spent some time looking up scriptures, just for the sake of looking up scriptures, to get ourselves more familiar with the Bible. Now, some of you call this sword drills, and maybe you did this back in the day, where, you know, the teacher would just shout out a passage, and you'd flip to that passage, find it as quickly as you could, and you'd start reading, and whoever started won the contest. This morning is going to feel very much like that for some of you this morning because we have a lot of scripture to get through. So I hope you brought your Bibles or I hope you have your iPad or your iPhone or whatever it is that you like to use when you look up scriptures. Because uh, when I sent this PowerPoint to Brandon, the first thing he said to me is, that's a lot of scripture. So that's where we're going to be at this morning. So I hope that you'll bear with me this morning because we're going to unpack some really good uh, important ideas from Jesus's uh, kind of the end of Jesus's time here on earth and how he left us with the heart of a servant and how he did his best to instill that in his disciples. So our main passage this morning is going to come from John chapter 13, but we're going to draw a whole lot of scripture in, in and around that main scripture. So I hope you guys are ready. I hope you have your Bibles ready. I encourage you to look up these scriptures as we go. They will be on the screen for you, of course, as well. But there's just something about you looking up that scripture and reading that scripture for yourself as well. So let's get started. We got a lot to cover this morning. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Now, this is such a crucial verse to look at when we talk about this idea of service because Paul lays it out for us. He says, for we are all God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork. That means he created us. He made us. And then Paul goes on to explain why he made us. He says we're created in Christ Jesus. If you were with us a few weeks back, we just had a whole series of lessons about being in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There it is. There is service and why that we should have the heart of a servant in a nutshell. Because God created us that way to do these things. He didn't create us just to be. He didn't create us just to sit. He created us to do good works. 
That's where we're going with this. That's why this idea of service is so important. Let's flip over to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, like I said, we're going to be flipping around a lot, so, so get, those, get those fingers warmed up. It says, but some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. It says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Now, I love that passage because, see, it's not enough just to say, well, well yeah, I believe in God. Even the demons do that. Throughout Scripture, we see that the demons even recognized God. When we read the, the, the story of the demonic man in the graveyard, what was the first thing that he did? He cried out and said what? He knew who it was. Even the demons recognize who God is. So it's not enough just to say, well, yeah, I know who God is. Yeah, I, b- I believe in God. It's not enough. And that's exactly what we're reading here in the book of James. Let's go on to... Uh, verse 20, it says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Yes, faith is important. Please don't take away from that, oh, well, faith doesn't matter. It's just it's all about what I do. Well, no, because you can do, do, do all you want. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not enough. And that's exactly what he's reminding us of, is how faith and deeds come together to make the whole picture. And as we look in just a few minutes at kind of the last days of Jesus' life, we're going to see that he took those faith and he took those deeds and he combined them and set a powerful example for his disciples before he left us. Now, I want to I just clear this up because this is something I hear a lot. There is a difference between attendance and service. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't anybody go away and say, well, Aaron said we don't have to go to church anymore. No, because what does the Bible tell us? Do not forsake the assembly. Not saying service isn't important, or excuse me, I'm not saying attendance isn't important. I'm saying don't confuse attendance for serving. See, attendance is what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to come together, to be the ecclesia, to be the church. We see that from, very, from the very beginning in the book of Acts. The church did what? They came together. They lived together. They ate together. They did everything together. We know that we're supposed to come together. And we know that we're better when we do that. But see, attendance is not enough. See, when we attend, right, we're a consumer. We're coming to consume. What can I get? What do you have for me? What are you going to do for me? But see, there's a difference between when we come to just attend and when we come to truly serve Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what we're talking about today is this heart of a servant of not just being a consumer, but being a contributor. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And this has kind of been our our mantra, right, verse for the last couple of weeks. But I want to remind you of this as we launch into our story today. It says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We're told to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And it tells us right here, he didn't come to be served. And, and see, that, that's, that's part of the problem that we see throughout the New Testament and throughout the life of Christ is he didn't come in the manner that he was expected to come in. He didn't come as this king on the throne who was going to be a mighty warrior and defeat all the enemies. 
And that's what people expected. They expected somebody to come that they were going to worship and serve and bow down to as a king. And Jesus said, no, 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 that's not what I'm here for. See, I'm here to work. Jesus came to serve and to give. Serving and giving is what we see throughout the life of Christ. To the very end when he gave the ultimate sacrifice, that ultimate act of service when he went to the cross for us. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Now, if you want to flip over to John chapter 13, in just a moment we're going to get there. And this is a very familiar story for most of us, right? Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry. Jesus is coming to the end of his life here on earth. And he gathered his disciples together in the upper room. See, Jesus knew that the time was coming. He he knew, hey, this thing is winding down here. This thing is coming to an end. But he wanted to leave his disciples with something important. So he gathered them together. He gathered them together in this upper room. Now, if you're not familiar with the Gospel of John, I don't have time to go into all of these, but I want to give you the, the Cliff Notes version, right? This is how we know that Jesus had this timeline down pat, right? In John chapter 2, verse 4, he says, my hour has not yet come. John chapter 7, verse 30 says, the hour has not yet come. John 8, 20 says, his hour has not yet come. And then when we get to John chapter 13, verse 1, which we're going to read in just a minute, Jesus knew his hour had come. And so you have to understand that Jesus understood the timeline, right? Jesus knew the timeline, he knew what was about to happen, and he knew he had one last chance to make an impact on his followers. Now, I want you to remember that, and I want you to to, to marinate on that as we go through this next portion. Jesus knew he had one last lesson to teach, and what lesson did he teach? That's what we're going to look at as we move forward. See, serving is the clearest way to show the love of of Jesus. Because you can say it all you want. Oh, of course I love Jesus. And I think every person in this room today would say, of course I love Jesus. If you didn't love Jesus, you probably wouldn't be sitting here or you probably wouldn't be listening to our our broadcast on the live stream. We all love Jesus. I love Jesus and you love Jesus. But how do we show Jesus that we love Jesus? How do we tell Jesus without just saying the words, yes, Jesus, I love you. See, that's what we have to take a look at. John chapter 13, verse 1, it says, It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now that's important. It's important to understand that the reason that Jesus brought these people together, his followers, is because he loved them and he wanted to teach them one last lesson before he went. Jesus, I'm sure, was feeling pressure at this point. And I'm sure that Jesus was feeling stress at this point. He knew what was about to happen. And he didn't say, you know what, I just need some time to myself. I'm going to go over here and do my thing because this is my last time. No, he said, I got another lesson I need to share. My teaching is not done yet. See, serving and loving go hand in hand. He loved his disciples enough to to spend those last hours with them. He loved you and me enough to go to the cross for us, 
serving and loving go hand in hand. For those of you who are married, do you serve your husband or do you serve your wife? I hope that you do, but why? Do you serve them because they say, you have to serve me. You need to do this. You need to do that. Now, that may happen in some relationships, but probably not the good ones. No, we serve our husbands or our wives or our children because we love them. We do things for them because we love them. My wife doesn't have to ask me to do the dishes and take out the trash. I do it because I love her and I don't want her to have to do it. I serve her because I love her, not because she tells me to. Service and love go hand in hand. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 25. It says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Now, put that in your pocket for just a second and it'll make a little bit more sense to you. In verse 2, it says, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. See that last verse we just read, right? When we start when we start serving creation and not the creator. Now, if you do a little study about Judas, what do we know that he was into? He, he was into money. He was into money. And he was able to be tempted because of his love for money. See, Judas was serving the created things instead of the creator. We know that when Jesus... Just before he was arrested, he went to the garden to pray. And, and I can just imagine this scene in my mind when Jesus went to pray. And, and the scripture tells us that he actually was sweating blood. Now, I did a little research on that because that passage has always kind of fascinated me. Was this metaphoric? You know, what, what exactly is going on here? And I did read that it's actually possible under extreme circumstances to actually have blood come out of your pores. But, but here's my point, is what that tells us is what Jesus was going through at this time. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, was the instructions that he gave to his apostles, right? So Jesus says, hey, I need to go talk to my father. I need to go pray. Here's what I want you guys to do. He says, I want you to watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What happened when Jesus went to pray? What, what, is, what did the apostles do? They went to sleep. And Jesus went off, right, again. And he came back, and what did he find again? They're asleep. See, their spirit was willing. I guarantee you, each and every one of them in their mind was saying, you know what, I'm going to be diligent and I'm going to watch while Jesus goes to pray. But what happened? It fell asleep. See, the spirit was strong, but the flesh was weak. Judas was one of Jesus' followers. The spirit was strong. And this is the lowercase s. This is our spirit, not the Holy Spirit. But the flesh was weak. 
And that's exactly what was happening with Judas. See, the desires of the flesh will overpower the determination of the will every single time. That's why we need Jesus. Because, see, if we leave it up to our own devices, what happens? What happened to the Israelites over and over and over again? They tried to do it on their own. And see, that's what happens with us. We say, I got this. God, I don't need you. I got this. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to think. But see, the spirit may be strong, but our flesh is weak. And that's why we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we have God to cry out to when we need help. Let's go back into John chapter 13. Verse 3, Jesus says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Now I want you to focus on the first part of this scripture because I hear this a lot when it comes to service. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put what? All things. That kind of encompasses it, doesn't it? Right? He didn't say put some things. No, he said he put all things. But see, sometimes we get into a mentality of, I'm not going to do that because that's beneath me. I do the scheduling of the communion speakers and the readers, and in previous years I've actually had people say that. I'm not going to do a scripture reading. Let, let, somebody, let a kid do that. Let somebody else do that. See, it's this mentality, this entitled mentality that we have I'm not going to get my hands dirty. I'm not going to be out here stacking chairs after church. That's beneath me. I'm not going to do that. But what is the example that Jesus set? He reminds us here, all things are under my authority. I think that pretty much sums it up. But what did Jesus do to the very end? He served. Verse 4 says, so he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, we all know this story. I don't think this is a brand new story for any of you. But, but when we think about the context of this story, this is Jesus' last night on earth. And he knows that. And we know that because in verse 1, it said, my hour has come. He knew it. He knew this was it. What did he do? He washed the disciples' feet. Now, foot washing was very common in this day and age, so that part of this wouldn't have been all that unusual. But what you may not know is this is something that was done by the lowliest servant in the household. This wasn't just a servant's job. This was, hey, you're low man on the totem pole. You get over there and wash these people's feet. Now, it wasn't that... The apostles were dirty, per se. I'm sure they bathed and did their best to keep clean, but we got to think about time and place. They walked everywhere they went in dirt and sand, and they either were barefoot or wore sandals. But what did Jesus do? Now, these weren't manicured, clean feet, like we might have here in Orange County. These were dirty, gnarly fishermen feet. But Jesus got down on his knees, and washed the disciples' feet. See, how you assert your authority reveals everything about your humility. We all have authority of some, some, some 
to some degree. Now, maybe you're the boss at work. Maybe you're the boss at home. Or maybe you're just the boss of your dog. We all have some type of authority. How we assert our authority tells us everything we need to know about our humility. Because, see, one of two things happen. Are you humble and you serve others? Or are you prideful and you serve yourself? We've all known people, right? Maybe they're a coworker, Maybe it's a friend. And they get promoted. What happens? One of two things happens, right? They get a really big head, right? And start throwing their authority around. Or they're truly humbled to be in that position to help and to serve others. And I want you to think about this question this morning. I want you to think about this question this morning for yourself in self-reflection and say, which one of these do I fall into? Am I humble and I serve others? Or am I prideful and it's what can you do for me instead of what I can do for you? See, the source of our service is the heart of our Savior, the heart of Jesus Christ, the heart of the cross. That is the source of our service. See, when we serve people, when we serve others, we are not just serving that person. We're serving Jesus. Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. Because, see, sometimes we say, well, I'm not going to help that person because of X, Y, Z. Well, it doesn't really matter about that person. Because you're not just doing it for them. You're doing it for Jesus. And that should be reason enough. John chapter 13, let's pick up verse 6. It says, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, I love this exchange between Peter and Jesus because... And you have to remember, let me back up just a second. What were the apostles doing when Jesus came to the upper room? They were arguing about who was the greatest of the apostles. Right? Remember that? They were in there arguing about, well, who's the best? (laughs) Well, I walked on water. I can just imagine how that conversation was going. But but it, it kind of frames this conversation between Peter and Jesus, where Peter kind of goes back and forth between pride and humility and pride and humility and pride and humility. It says he came to Simon Peter who said, wait wait a minute, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. It says, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. See, Peter's going back and forth between humility and pride. "Uh Uh-uh, Jesus, you're not going to do that to me. Nope. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now, I love this, because now, now Peter's going to flip again, right? Because Jesus kind of laid it on the line. Look, okay, you don't want me to wash my feet? Fine, you're not going to be part of me then. So Peter kind of flips the script, and then he says, Okay, Lord, if that's the case, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but how about my head and my hands and everything else? So see, Jesus was trying to serve Peter. He was trying to serve Peter by washing his feet, and Peter was pushing back. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Don't do that, Jesus. Now, you would think by this point, Peter would have figured out that Jesus knows what he's doing. That Jesus has a plan. And that there's a reason behind everything that Jesus did. But Peter is still, "Eh." 
I don't know, Lord, until Jesus says, okay, fine, then you're not going to be with me. And he says, okay, give me the full-on bath then. Verse 10 says, Jesus answered, it says, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. I want you to think just for a second, you're one of the apostles in the upper room, and Jesus drops this truth bomb on you. Think about that for just a second. One of you is not clean. You imagine there's a lot of this going on? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? It's not me. But he says, one of you is not clean. It says, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said, not everyone was clean. See, when you serve, you can't let someone else's attitude derail your service. Because I'll tell you right now, you can't please all of the people all of the time. No matter how hard you try, you can't. Jesus was washing the apostles' feet, and Peter starts, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 you're not going to do that. See, that same thing happens when we try to serve people. I don't like the coffee you chose. I don't like the mini donuts. I want the big donuts. I don't like those songs you sang on Sunday. You get my drift. You can't let the fact that people don't always agree with the way that you serve stop you from serving. Because if we did that, then none of us would be serving. Because that's just the way it is. Service is about love. Service is about our attitude, not the attitude of the people that we're serving. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, and he returned to his place, his place at the table. It says, do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. And I guarantee you they didn't. I, say, I shouldn't say I guarantee. I don't think that they did. Based on what happens after Christ goes to the cross, I don't think they really truly understood. But he's telling them, he's saying, hey, I need you to think about this. It says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. It says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, don't miss this, you also should wash one another's feet. Again, I, get, I guarantee there's some of this going on. Oh, i got to wash your feet? It says, I have set the example that you should do as I have done for you. That's it. In a nutshell, that's what it's all about. When people say, oh, I don't think I really need to serve. I'm just going to be a consumer. Right there. Right there is the only example that you need to start saying, maybe I need to be doing more. And maybe you're already serving. And that's fantastic. Thank you so much for serving this church. Because just like when we serve, we show Jesus love. When you serve our church, you're telling this church, I love this church. And many of you do that. And thank you so much for that. But this is what it all comes down to. We should all be serving in some way, shape, or form. It says, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. It says, now that you know these things, don't miss this, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. 
You want to be blessed? Serve. That's basically what he's saying here in a nutshell. Now, obviously, that's not the only thing we have to do, but you want to be blessed? He says it right here. You got to serve. Now, in closing, I'm glad you asked this question. What about the church staff? I hear this a lot. I don't need to serve. We pay people to do that. That's true. You do pay people to do that. But let's look at what the scripture says. I'm going to flip over to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Yes, it is the staff's job. Let me just answer the question that I'm so glad you guys asked. It is our job. It, it is my job to be talking to people about our church, to be talking to people about Jesus, to be trying to bring people in, to be, to be mentoring people, to be, to be talking with people. But, but newsflash, our church has three full-time employees. Three full-time employees. We've been short-staffed ever since our last minister left. And, and yes, we're doing everything we can. We can't do it alone. Let's think about that for just a minute. All three of us, even if that's all we did, and do anything else at the church, we're out trying to bring people to Christ. How much impact could we make? We can make an impact, of course. How much more of an impact could we make if all 200 of the people at this church were out there doing the same thing? So yes, the church staff it does get paid to do that job, but... We're not the only ones, and Scripture tells us so. Our job is to help you be prepared so that you can go out there as well and bring people to Jesus Christ. And see, that's what service is all about. See, when we serve each other, when we serve Christ, we can do so much more than what the three staff members of this church can do. And when we love Jesus, and when we love our church, we want to serve our church. And there are so many ways for you to get plugged in to do that here at the church. We need set-up people. We need tear-down people. We need greeters. Here in just a few weeks, we're going to be relaunching some small group things. And we're going to need folks that are willing to open up their homes and host a small group. There are so many ways that you can truly serve this church, regardless of what your talents are. We all have different talents. You guys can do things much better than I can. I can't sing. I can't sing to save my life. That's why you'll never see me up here leading worship unless it's a really dire situation. And if that happens, you may want to just maybe go to the courtyard or I don't know, go online. I don't know. But that's not my giftedness. I can't lead singing. I had throat surgery about 15 years ago and had a piece removed from my vocal cords. I can't sing. That's just, that's not going to be me. That's not my giftedness. But I don't have to. See, the Lord uses me in different ways. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, but, but I, I can't get up and give a sermon. I can't give a communion talk. I don't even feel comfortable doing the reading. That's okay. There are so many other ways that you can use your giftedness to say, Lord, I'm not only confessing you with my lips, but I'm going to go out and prove and be your hands and feet every single day. And I want you to be in prayer for that. I, I want you to just take all these scriptures that we've been looking at and all these things we've been talking about, and I want you to pray and say, God, how can you use me to advance the kingdom? 
How can you use me in my giftedness, in my uniqueness, in the way that you created me, how can you use me to advance your kingdom? He'll show you ways. He'll open up doors. He's just waiting for you to come and ask him. See, God didn't create us to be robots. He didn't create a a population of people who would just walk around, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. No. We're all different, and we're all unique. And we have to figure out ways to use those talents, whether it's cooking in the Comfort Cafe, or it's sewing in the Hands and Feet Ministry, or it's hosting a small group in your home. Maybe you're like, hey, I have no desire to teach a lesson, but I would love to open up my home to people because I love it to have company. I love to have people come over. Perfect. Host a small group. Got to figure out what is your way to serve the kingdom. These are the things I want you to think about. It's not about me. Service is not about me. It's not about, hey, look at me. Look what I did. No. It's look at what I did for Christ. That's what it's all about. It's not about me. It's a short trip from humility to pride. And I would have loved to have taken more time to flush out that conversation between Peter and Jesus because there's so much more we could have talked about with that. But I think you get the idea how he kind of went from prideful to humble to prideful to humble. Well, that's exactly what we do. And we have to be careful of that. Because remember what we said earlier? The spirit is what? But the flesh is? Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. It's so easy to go from humility to pride. We read right there at the end of our, at, at the end of our, our passage in John chapter 13 that if you'll serve, God will bless you. You've got to love others. You've got to get plugged in. You've got to be a contributor, not just a consumer. Jesus didn't come to earth and say, what can you do for me? Nope. He said, what can I do for you? all the way to the end, to the ultimate act of service when he was willing to go to the cross for you and me. In just a moment, Brandon's going to come forward and he's going to sing a song for us and I'm going to ask the elders to come down front as well. And if we can pray for you, if we can help you, maybe your prayer has been, God, I I want you to use me, but you just haven't been able to decipher how that works. I'm going to invite you to come forward. Or maybe you've never had a chance to be baptized. That is a life-changing event. It is a life-changing event where you get to put all the mistakes that you've made in the past behind you. You get to, hit, you get to truly hit that reset button and say, Christ, I want to make you the king of my life and I want to follow you for the rest of my days. And he'll wipe away all those other things. He'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit and it'll change your life. And if that's something you need to consider this morning, I want you to consider that as we stand together and as we sing. Magnify the Lord.